Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. I'm going to read it and then I'm going to pray and then we'll get started. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another just as God in Christ forgave you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You, Lord, that Your Word never comes back void, but always accomplishes the purposes that You have for it. Lord, thank You for the people in this room. Lord, You haven't brought them here by accident. They are here because You've brought them here for such a time as this. So I pray that You open our hearts and our minds to Your Word this morning, and that You would empower us by Your Holy Spirit to listen and obey and apply your word to our lives so that it makes a difference for eternity. We pray that you would be glorified and people would not hear me, but hear the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has to say to them today. In Jesus' name, amen. There was a renowned professor at Harvard known for his research in nuclear physics. And he led a team of researchers who had a breakthrough in research in nuclear physics. And because of that, he was invited all over the New England area to come and lecture on this one topic. Well, he was afraid to fly, so the university assigned him a chauffeur to drive him all over New England, out to, to the Ivy League schools there, to give this talk. Well, after about the 10th ten talk, talk, the same chauffeur that they would assign to him, because um, he's got to know him, uh, turned around to him in the car, he pulled over, turned around in the car and said, you know what, I've heard this same talk from you over and over and over again. And you know what, I have memorized your talk. And the professor said, really? And he said, sure. And he said, lay it on me. So for the next 20 minutes, the chauffeur began to uh, regurgitate, recite the professor's speech. And the professor was amazed. He didn't miss a word. He didn't miss a, a, a voice inflection or a facial inflection. It was incredible. And the professor said, well, I tell you what. He said, tonight I'm not feeling so well. I'm going to university. They have no idea who I am. They just know the research I've done. Why don't you get up and give the talk tonight? And I will sit in the audience and I will be your chauffeur for the night. And the guy said, great. So they pull up, they get out, and the chauffeur gets up to give the talk because they thought it would go smoothly. He would just do the same thing, give the talk, and then go home. The chauffeur got up, and he did a marvelous job. He hit every line, every sentence, every figure, every math equation, just like a parrot reciting something, he did it. At the end, he did such a great job, the audience stood up and gave him a standing ovation. Well, the MC of the event comes up and said, well, wasn't that great? Do we have any questions? <laughs> and so uh, one man in the back stood up, they pointed to him, and he proceeded to give this very long question, complicated, in multiple parts. After he was finished, there was silence. Of course, you're wondering, what did the chauffeur do? Well, the chauffeur didn't miss a beat. He said, thank you for that question, but I'm, I'm a little surprised you asked it. 
because the question you asked is so simple, so basic, that the average person could answer it. In fact, to prove that, I'm going to have my chauffeur come up and answer the question for you. Well, today I'm not here to talk about nuclear physics with you, but the topic I'm going to talk about today is a serious one. In fact, just like the fallout from a nuclear bomb, this topic can be very destructive. In fact, the topic I'm going to talk to you about is a, is a leading cause of anxiety, depression, high blood pressure, stroke, and even death. It can rob you of your joy. It can destroy your relationships with other people. It can destroy your family and your career, derail your future, and ruin your life. Now you're thinking, man, this sounds pretty serious. It is. But there's a joyful part of it as well. But, but, but the exception of my salvation... And with the exception of my calling to ministry, what I'm going to walk you through today was the most significant truth that I have realized in my Christian walk. So stay tuned. It's not all gloom and doom. Today I'm going to talk to you about resentment and bitterness. And I'm going to talk to you about two quick things. Number one, I'm going to talk about why resentment and bitterness are such a problem. And the second thing I'm going to talk to you about is the remedy for resentment and bitterness. We're going to talk about why they are such a problem, and I'm going to give you the remedy, and then we'll be done. And we'll find this in Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. Now, the book of Ephesians, I love, it has six chapters. And when you study the book, it neatly divides in half. Chapters 1 through 3, chapters 4 through 6. Chapters 1 through 3, if you read Ephesians, tell us how marvelous our God is. How wonderful He is, but how pitiful we are in light of His greatness and holiness. The Bible says in Ephesians 2.1, You were dead in your trespasses and sins compared to the holiness of God. But he doesn't leave you there. He goes on to tell you how God looked at us. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. But God chose to rescue us from our sins. Ephesians 2.8, a verse you should memorize. For by grace you have been saved. That means rescued from the penalty of sin. For by grace you, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. So it talks about how God has rescued us from our sins when we put our trust in Jesus Christ. And because of that, it goes on to my favorite verse in the Bible, Ephesians 2.10. For we are His workmanship. And that word workmanship can also mean masterpiece. Like God is an artist conforming us, working on us so that we look like Jesus. We are his workmanship. Um, for we are his workmanship. Um, 
why did my mind go blank? We are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in Him. In other words, God has a purpose for us all. And when He has saved us, He takes His time painting, creating that masterpiece for the works that He prepared for you before He even made the world. And that's good news. So Ephesians 1-3 through tells us who God is and who we are. We are now a new creation. We are His workmanship. We are His masterpiece. Then in Ephesians 4-6, through it basically tells us, okay, what does that look like? What does that look like in the real world? How does that affect our relationships? And I want to read you a quick verse. Uh, Chapter 4 begins with this verse. It says, I therefore, as a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness and patience, bearing with one another in love. And what Paul is getting ready to do is tell us how to love one another and bear with each other in love. In our marriages, with our children, at work, in every relationship we have. See, some of us think, okay, now I'm saved, and here's the other side. I now go to church, I now give money in the offering plate, and I stop drinking and smoking. There's a whole lot more of the Christian life than just that. God wants to get into every fiber of our being. Every attitude we have towards someone else so that we can live in love and fulfill the purpose that God has for us. But in order to bear with one another a love, you have to deal with your anger and your resentment. So Paul tells us how to handle it. Verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 31 says... Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. The word bitterness there means festering, seething anger. Sharp resentment, lasting wrath. It means when you have been wronged, either in reality or in your mind, when you have been wronged by someone, bitterness is you want that person to pay for what they've done. And what you've done, you demand justice. This was wrong what they did to me. They need to pay for that. And you set up a courtroom in your heart against that person or against those people. And here's what you do. You become the prosecuting attorney, giving the reason why they're wrong, You become the judge, you become the jury, and you even go so far as wanting to become the executioner to see that they have paid for what they have done to you or what you think they have done to you. And you won't let go of this until you see that they have paid for it. Now with that deep root, look at the fruit in this verse. So if bitterness is the root, here's the fruit of that, wrath and anger. People must pay for what they've done. And by the way, other people in your life, because you're so bitter, 
will pay for it too, through your wrath and through your anger. Clamor is when you get physically mad, physical manifestation of your anger. could be yelling, God forbid it could be throwing things. That's clamor. Slander and malice is making them pay by talking behind their back or plotting against them. It's like my old trigonometry teacher used to say, I don't get mad, I get even. That's what it's talking about there. And you may say, hey David, come on, everybody gets angry. What's wrong with that? I'm not talking about an occasional feeling of anger. I'm talking about when your anger is out of control. And when you become defined by your anger, and here's what I mean. The Bible says in Proverbs 29-22, a person of wrath stirs up strife, and one given to anger causes much transgression. Listen to that. A person of wrath, one given to anger. What does this mean? Someone defined by the anger. When you see them coming, it could be a family member, it could be a friend, it could be somebody that you know. You see them coming, what do you think? Oh boy, here they come. What are they angry about today? Who has wronged them today? That's what we're talking about. It's when you no longer control your anger, but guess what? Your anger controls you. Your thoughts your actions. It can even take over your life. And I know many of you are thinking, hey, you know what? I'm off the hook this lesson because I rarely get angry. I rarely let my emotions show. But the fact is there's two types of angry people. The first kind is obvious. It's the person that can get angry just like that. It doesn't take much to kindle the fire because the pilot light of the anger is always burning within them. And, they, and it can rise up just like that. We often say that this person is a hothead or has a short fuse. Do you guys know anybody like that? Are any of you guys that person? It doesn't take much for you to explode in anger. I compare it to what I call emotional hijacking or carjacking. Do you know what carjacking is? It's when you pull up to a red light, somebody gets in your car, moves you over, and is now in control of your car and driving the car. So you're out of control. You have no, you have, uh, it, ta- it takes you places that you had no intention of going. And the end result is usually not good. Anger can be that way. When anger and resentment set in, we can get out of control. We can go places with our words, our thoughts, our actions that we never thought we were capable of doing, and it rarely turns out good. It's sort of like the Incredible Hulk. Do you guys remember the Incredible Hulk back in the 70s? That's my grandfather's favorite show. Here's mild-mannered Bruce Banner. He'd be minding his own business. Somebody would make him mad, he'd turn into the Hulk. you remember this? He'd turn green and mean, and he'd go and he'd tear up the place. Then he'd calm down and turn into Bruce Banner again. And what would Bruce Banner do? He'd look around thinking, what happened? Who did all this? That's the way anger can affect us. It can turn on in an instant, and it can take us places we have no intention of going. We lose control. And you can react physically. Or you can react with your words. You can give someone a tongue lashing. 
Have you ever had a tongue lashing? It's no fun. James says the tongue is a flame set on fire by hell. Why? Because fire can destroy in an instant. And words can too. You know those things, sticks and stones may break my words, but words will never hurt me? It's not true. Words can hurt in a huge way. And they can repeat it in someone's mind, whoever you're talking to, over and over and over again. It's like being an active volcano. The lava is always near the surface and the slightest thing can set you off. And then the lava comes out and it destroys everything in the path. You cool down, you're okay. But the result is your anger has destroyed things in your path. Your job, your friendships, your family. You unleash your anger and try to move on, but everybody pays and you do too. And some of you are in that boat today. Others of you are saying, man, I'm glad he's not talking about me. I'm Mrs. Cool. I never let my emotions show. But you see, there's a second type of anger. It's harder to spot. The first person gets angry and blows up. The second person gets angry and guess what? Stuffs it inside. Stuffs it. You wrong, you feel angry, you don't deal with it, you just what? Stuff it inside. Oh, I'm okay. No problem at all. You're smiling on the outside, but on the inside, you're seething mad. You just swallow it. You do this again and again and again. Because the anger is on the inside, you have fooled yourself into thinking everything's okay. But it's not. It's like a shark who hides just under the water. You can't see them from the top, but underneath, there's danger. And you keep putting it off and putting it off. And because you don't deal with your anger, it deals with you. And we've already talked about the numerous health problems that can come from this. Oh, it, but then it begins to seep out because what goes in eventually has to come out. You become critical of others. You become overly sensitive. You start to complain about little things. Then you start to complain a lot. And you start snapping at people. And you don't even know why. Where did that come from? Why? Because you've stuffed and you've stuffed and you've stuffed. And these are all signs of internal anger. And they're like a light on your dashboard. You know what? If a light on your dashboard pops up, guess what? <laughs> There's an issue going on underneath the hood. And that's what this can be like. But after a while, it builds to the point that it comes out in a major way. The longer the fuse, the more powerful the explosion. My dad was a hothead. He would get, I love my dad to death, but the way he dealt with conflict, he'd blow up, and then it was over, and you moved on. My mom would stuff and stuff and stuff. And about four times a year, it would blow. And I, I, I did all right because I could recognize the signs of when it was going to blow. And I made sure I was out of the house when it blew. No, 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 she didn't abuse me. She didn't hit me. But boy, she would blow her stack. And even my dad would be quiet because she would blow. And it was just like that every about four times a year. She got two types of people, the exploder and the stuffer. Now, in both situations, where did this anger come from? 
Well, in many cases, it's from bitterness. The bitterness that we had. Have you guys heard of the term root of bitterness? Have you guys heard of that? How does a root start? A seed. The seed of bitterness is a hurt that is planted in you. It may be something done to you once or something done over a long period of time. Someone meant to hurt you or did not intend to hurt you but did. Sometimes the hurt is only imagined, but sometimes the hurt is very, very real. You were wronged. But that seed of hurt, that little seed, it doesn't just lay there. If you don't deal with it, guess what? The soil of your heart will take that seed in. And the seed germinates and takes root and starts to produce anger and bitterness. Ecclesiastes says, says, Be not quick in your spirit to become angry, for anger lodges in the heart. And that root begins to grow and grow and grow. Now when roots begin to grow and grow and grow, and you've got a garden nearby, what does that root begin to do? It begins to steal from other plants in the area. Nutrients from the soil and the water. And when you have that root of bitterness and it grows, guess what? It starts stealing things from your life. Your joy. Your contentment, your peace, your love. It can even affect um, your thoughts and your actions and begins to take over your life because you haven't dealt with it. It affects your relationships. And you start to see the world through that lens of bitterness. Things remind you of the hurt that you feel. It reminds you of your past. It's like a DVD player playing over and over in the incident or series of incidents where you were wrong. It begins to play over and over and over and over again in your mind. And you, and you lose control over having control of your thoughts because you can't let this go. It just keeps going on and on. So how should you deal with the roots of bitterness, anger and resentment in your life? Now, some of us will just rationalize it and say, hey, I'm just that way. I've got a short temper. I lose my temper, and in a couple of minutes, it's all, all over. It only lasts a few minutes, and then it's done. Well, guess what? A bomb blast only lasts a second. But look at the damage that it does. Sometimes we try to deal uh, by it by wanting the other person to change. Now, can any of you identify with this? We're like the person who says, I don't need anger management. I don't need anger management. I need for people to stop ticking me off. <laughs> or can you deal with this? I wouldn't have to manage my anger if other people would manage their stupidity. Okay? You've heard the phrase... He knows how to push my buttons. Have you guys ever heard this? He, this person knows exactly how to push my buttons. To wind me up. They just know what buttons to push. True strength, true strength is not the force of anger that you express when someone pushes your buttons. True strength is when those buttons no longer have power over you. 
In other words, other people aren't determining your mood. They're not determining your actions. The Lord is determining your mood and your actions. And those buttons, they don't work anymore. And furthermore, guess what? There's going to be someone that in your life all the time that's going to do things that try to push your buttons. And once you've settled with someone else, there's someone else that will come. And you know what? Here's the deal. You can't change those people. And I don't know if you guys have realized this. You can't change your spouse. Guess who the only person you can change is? Yourself. Yourself. Others say, hey, just give in to the anger. After all, you need anger to survive, to make your way in the world. While it's true that anger is a natural emotion, you're not made to carry resentment around yourself. My dad um, and I, we would work on various projects together. And one of the projects uh, required him to go get some acetone. I can't remember if it was painting or whatever, but we had to go get some acetone. And we borrowed some from a neighbor. And my dad brings a milk jug to get the acetone. He fills it up. Now, some of you know where this is going, so just bear with me here. So he fills that up. We go and we set it in the garage. The next day he comes out. We're out there wherever we were painting, and he said, go get me the acetone. I go in the garage to get that milk jug. Guess what? There's no acetone in it. Why? It ate through the bottom. There was no acetone in there because the acetone ate through the bottom of that milk jug. Why? Because that milk jug was not designed to carry that acetone. And in the same way, I don't care how strong you think you are. I don't know how determined you think you are. You are not designed to carry bitterness and resentment around to you. It will eat you from the inside out just like that acetone ate that milk jug from the inside out. You're not designed to do it. That's why Ephesians says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and slander be what? Put away from you along with all malice put away from you not swept under the rug that reminds me that the the, the uh, Easter my sister and I hid Easter eggs real Easter eggs in my dad's office at home and we forgot one guess what happened about three weeks later it was pretty ripe pretty and we finally found it and my dad was furious you sweep stuff under the rug, it won't just stay there. It'll ripen and it'll come out eventually in your thoughts and your actions and in your health. Don't just sweep it under the rug. It needs to be put away. Now, how do we put it away? Here's the key. Go back to Ephesians. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, Forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Listen up. The tool that helps you uproot bitterness in your life is forgiveness. Forgiveness. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. <laughs> You're saying, David, should I just forgive everybody and let them treat me like a doormat? No. And that's not what forgiveness means. It doesn't mean that you just pretend like nothing happened 
and you let anybody treat you any way they want. That's not what forgiveness means. Some of you may say, how can I forgive with someone and pretend like things never happened? That's not what forgiveness means. Forgiveness means, guess what? To release. And this is what release means. It means that you have no right to hold on to your bitterness. You have no right to hold on to that wanting to see justice, to be the judge, jury, and executioner to that person. It says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. What you do, if you have bitterness towards someone and you want to see justice, you want to see them pay, is you say, Lord, here's the hurt I feel. Here's the justice I want to see. This wasn't right. But Lord, you know what? I have no right to hold on to this. Lord, I give it to You. I put it in Your hands. And some of you are like, yeah, I'm going to put it in God's hands and then God's going to get them. No. 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 You put it in God's hands and you let Him take care of it how He wants to take care of it. Because guess what? We only know a few facts. God knows all the facts. In fact, He even knows your part in the process of what happened. And when you start releasing it, you know what happens? Sometimes you come to realize that maybe you weren't perfect in these situations either. You release it to God. Why? Because God has forgiven you. I don't need to remind you that before we came to Christ, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We were guilty as charged. And when we came to Christ, God freely forgave us. Of all our offenses, deserving of hell, deserving of His wrath, He forgave us. How in the world can we hold it against someone else? It's like the parable Jesus told of the king, the man who owned the king, let's say a million dollars, and the king forgave him of his debt. What did that guy do? He went right out and found someone that, he, that owed him money. He owed, someone owed him $50, and he demanded they pay it. How ludicrous is that? Well, how ludicrous is it for us to hold on to that anger and bitterness knowing how much grace and mercy God has shown us. And you know what? I'll just be very frank here, um, and I'll be very short. There was a time in my life where I held a grudge against a family member. Um, It was a a very hard relationship. There was a little bit of abuse involved. It It was bad. And you know what? I was so angry with that person. I thought, man, they need to pay. This is not right. And every time I was around that person, I couldn't think about anything else but the anger and resentment I had toward them. And every time I'd get in a conversation, not every time, but it would build toward it, I would want to rake them over the coals and try to make their life miserable with my words because they needed to pay for what they did. But you know what? I was the prisoner in that situation. I was trapped by my own bitterness and resentment. 
Until finally one day a brother in Christ taught me the key of forgiveness. And to take all of that hurt and all of that anger and all of that stuff in my heart and to give it to God and say, God, I have no right to hold anything over anybody. What happened was wrong, but I give it to you to handle in whatever way you did. And did that happen all at once? Yeah, it did, but then I had to do it over and over and over again. And here's what happened. As I began to forgive, sometimes it was every three minutes I was with this person. I would have to take it to the Lord. God began to release me of my bitterness. And today, I love this person. I want the best for this person. They say all kinds of things that are out of the box, crazy, about politics, about their opinions. Stuff back then that would drive me crazy. You know what? Now it's like water off a duck's back. I just sit there and smile and talk to them. I'm released from that. And God has has granted me that and now um, I'm free. And you know what happened? God had to deal with me about that issue and just after that happened, guess what? God called me into ministry. Because he had to, he had, and I'll deal with that in just a minute, he had to help me in that area before he could use me in the life of others. And many of you are saying, hey, that's hard. That's right, it's hard. It's not natural to forgive. It's supernatural to forgive. You need the help of the Holy Spirit. You need God's power in your life. You can't, um, you can't do it on your own. Here's three things that forgiving someone will do for you. Number one, it will help you be humble. It will help you be humble. Just Forgive others just as Christ forgave you. You know, if we walk around with all the list of how everybody's wronged us, our pride comes out, our anger, do you think anybody is going to listen to us when we try to share Christ with them? They say, you know, I don't like to refer to people as senior citizens. I like to refer to them as seasoned citizens. There's nothing worse than a senior citizen who's got a list of wrongs throughout their life. And they want to talk about them to you, about all the people that have done them wrong. And all. No. No. That is not what draws people to you. That is not what God honors it's when we're able to give that list to God and be free to that stuff. Because just as there's nothing worse than a seasoned citizen with a grudge and bitterness, there's nothing more precious than a seasoned citizen who has joy in their heart. Who's able to forgive. Who's able to extend grace to people because they realize and they have enough life experience to learn that they were undeserving of the grace they had given God. And when you see someone like that, boy, that's a rare commodity. And people will listen. It makes you humble, number two. It makes you approachable. And number three, it helps you to be focused. It helps you to be focused. Why? Because you're not distracted by your bitterness. You don't have your mind on these grievances, on this justice that you want to see. You've released it to God. Now you're freed up to be used by God in whatever way he sees fit. 
And the verse that I'm going to end with very quickly that God laid on my heart this week, and usually I don't like to play Bible drill and go to different verses, but I am today. Here's what I want you to hear. Philippians 3, 12 through 14, where Paul is approaching the end of his life and he says, I press on because Jesus Christ has made me his own. Listen to this. Forgetting what lies behind. Forgetting what lies behind. Forgetting what lies behind. And straining forward to see what is ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. And some of you need to forget what is behind. Give the Lord all of that stuff so you can look ahead to Him and you can live the rest of your life free from bitterness. Think about it. When you guys graduate, 20 years, 30 years from now, sometimes closer, are you going to be able to take any of those grievances into eternity? Are you going to be able to stand in the presence of Jesus with your list of people who have wronged you like a wall of a post office has all the criminals? No, you're not going to be able to take that into eternity. Why keep it now? Let go of it. God knows far better than you do how to take care of those situations. And when you release it to Him, it'll minister to your heart. It'll give you joy. It'll help you appreciate the grace that you've been given. And it will be a motivator for you to go out and share the gospel of Jesus Christ to extend to people the same grace that God has given you and that you are able to give others. And that is a testimony sorely needed in our world. Amen? Amen. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank You so much for this time we have together. Uh, thank You for um, the fact that to forgive is a miracle, um, just as You did miracles in the Bible um, with healing people from their lameness and their blindness, Lord. When someone forgives and turns it over to You, Lord, it's a miracle because You free them from the bitterness, from the bondage, and help them to see clearly, Lord, the purposes that You have for them. Thank You for how You've worked in my life to do this. I pray for whoever it is here today that needs to hear this, God, that You would give them the key of forgiveness. And because of that, Lord, they would be able to turn things over to You and move forward in a significant way in their life. Lord, guide us and lead us this week. Help us to be conduits of the grace that you have given us in every relationship that we have. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.